Welcome to Five Star Autopsy, where we examine the cause of death for the greatest creative runs in pop culture history. So that means we're talking movies, we're talking music, we're talking comics, we're talking books. I'm Tony McMillan. I'm a comic book creator. I'm a novelist. I'm a musician. I don't want to brag, but I also helped write some indie films and even uh, co-starred in some uh, indie films. So I've kind of done it all, and uh, my opinion is pretty much 100% correct. Always. Uh, so this podcast, this is going to be the inaugural episode, so maybe um, off the top we'll, talk, we'll explain what, exact, what exactly we're going to talk about here. So we're going to talk about the runs for different creators, and we're going to talk about the consecutive runs. So basically, the back-to-back-to-back classics. What makes a run? What makes a, a run of, of, of great, great work? So there are factors, right? There, there are some some factors are um, you know popularity, some factors are you know the critical um, consensus, but those are minor factors. The truth is, it comes down to the feeling. Is it, does this feel like a great work? So there there are plenty of, of of artists who have works which are initially flops, or or they are still considered um, you know lesser works, but. I'm going to try to explain to you uh, my take on why these are actually great um, pieces of work and then continue um, the particular artist's uh, artist's creative run. And so basically, you know, I'll say this up up front. We're going to try to side on on the side of the artist whenever possible. What that means is if... um, you have an artist and, you know, let's say they're, they're a musician, right? And they make, you know, a bunch of great albums. In between those albums, maybe they guest spot on, on another album and they just do a song and that song sucks. We're not going to hold that against this person, right? At the same time, because we're going to try to side the artist, we're gonna, we want these runs to continue. If um, an artist does a guest spot on a, on a song and it's awesome, you know, we'll, we'll throw that in and say that's part of the run. So we, we try to, whenever possible, give them um, the benefit, you know? And to start it off, I I, I think that what makes the most sense to me is we're going to start with the band Led Zeppelin. The reason why we start with Led Zeppelin is that in a lot of ways, as a kid, this is what got me kind of thinking about creative runs. What makes, what, I, I was kind of staggered as a kid, I was like, oh my God, all these albums are great. They're awesome. And of course, uh, we'll get to it, but um, the run doesn't last forever. Not even with Led Zeppelin. They definitely have a couple, they have a couple missteps, you know? And at the same time, even though I'm saying that, I'll, I will say that in general, I, I, I still like almost all their, their their music. I think there are a couple albums which just aren't as good as that initial run. Uh, and that's, you know, no band is perfect. And so that's 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 fine. And I was thinking about this. Um, of course, I got into Led Zeppelin as a kid. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why it was one of the first artists I start thinking about their entire catalog, their body of work. But another reason why is that when I was a kid, Led Zeppelin refused to make a greatest hits album. That was that stood for I think up until um the early two thousands or maybe the mid two thousands. They like Jimmy Page I think said, said something like, uh, you know, we we want them to to revisit the albums. We want them to, you know, we don't want, we have a bunch of songs in there which are deep cuts which we think are just as good as our singles or our more well known work. And you know, I, I greatest hits can be awesome, and and they can get you into a band, and I think they can be. Um, some bands aren't album bands, and they're better as greatest hits bands. Uh, Led Zeppelin's not that, but um, I think Jimmy Page was basically right because as a kid, 
I, you know, listened to a bunch of songs on the radio, and and maybe um, my mom's boyfriend had a cassette of Zoso or something. But um, I eventually would just buy the the CDs of all the albums, and I tried to get them in order. I think um, I think I I was mostly successful, but eventually, I, you know, some things are cheaper or I, other things weren't available. But I, I tried to I tried to experience Led Zeppelin as best I could, like someone growing up in the '70s might, and it got me to appreciate their story, their, their their story, their body of work. And so, what what I also like about Led Zeppelin is, of course, it's one of my first um, artists thinking about their body of work. It also their body of work has a lot of examples of what we're going to find in a lot of these um, different runs as we go through the series. They have a lot of examples of the kind of tropes or the the types of work that we'll see again and again, starting with the the debut, right? And so this is this has a jaw dropping debut. This is this is one of those like seismic shift debut. They drop hot, right? They they hit the ground running big time. Led Zeppelin, the self-titled album, Led Zeppelin 1, in a lot of ways um I I don't agree with this, but I can see the argument this is actually still their best work. It's it's very satisfying. It it, it covers a lot of ground, especially for a debut. They um they branch out. They, they of course play really hard blues rock. They play um, um, some acoustic uh, ballads. They play some um, like uh, sounds like Middle Eastern influenced um, cool or maybe Indian like raga kind of influenced groove stuff with um, uh, Black Mountainside. They do um, proto punk with communication breakdown they of course do straight up electric blues he shook me all, all, all night and stuff like that uh they cover a lot of ground and they of course and this is what makes zeppelin so so good they always sound like led zeppelin even though they're trying a bunch of different things and you know they, they basically that first album they set a template and that's what all the great debuts do. They have this template of like, we can do a lot of things and we can do them really well. And they can explore a lot of those things further in other records. They have a little hint of where they're going to go in every way. Even Black Mountainside, which is this great instrumental, like I said, maybe Indian influence kind of kind of song. That's a little hint of where they're going to go later with songs like Friends off Led Zeppelin 3 and then eventually of Cashmere off of Physical Graffiti. There's all these little like breadcrumbs going, hey, like there's there's a lot to this band. There's a lot of facets. And that being said, it's not, uh, I want to say it's an experimental work. It's not difficult listening. It's instantly kind of just gratifying and rocking. And it's it's so it's it's really impressive when you think about this is the debut this is a, a lot of great bands you know especially this this came out in 69 a lot of great bands especially from the earlier 60s you know their first singles or the first even the first albums they're not as fully formed they're not the bands that we would come to know like you know the who had some interesting singles but they're not really the who that we would eventually know the beatles too the beatles were very into like uh, growing and evolving and Zeppelin would evolve but they always they started out pretty fully formed and multifaceted so they could just keep on showing you different sides to themselves the Stones are another band where like you know they, they didn't kind of didn't come out um, they, they weren't Athena they didn't they didn't crack your head open and they just came out fully formed it took them a while to get there Zeppelin was right there from the start so that's that's what I think they had a jaw-dropping debut um 
you know, the downside to a lot of Zeppelin, if you want to get um, critical about things, especially the early stuff, is um, a lot of these songs are covers. They're blues covers, and they're uncredited initially. They uh, didn't bother to say, "Hey, this is you know, this isn't a traditional traditional arrangement we're doing. This is actually written by this dude." You know, so they ripped off you know a lot of people and a lot of old black American musicians who you know without them there'd be no rock and roll, obviously, and also of course there'd be no Zeppelin. There's some songs which are just direct riffs, and th- you know this kind of sours things a little bit. Um, but that being said, overall, I mean, you hear those Zeppelin songs. It, I think if you grew up on Led Zeppelin, there's always going to be a soft spot in your heart. And uh, the other weak link, especially in the early stuff, is that um, you know Robert Plant lyrically he he wasn't quite up to where he would get uh, soon after. Like you know by Led Zeppelin uh, three, I think he's he's kind of maturing and kind of figuring out what his corner of the world is, what his his point of view is. And in these early songs, and most of the, most of the time it's fine because they're mostly mostly just kind of blues. They're, they're literally blues songs he ripped off, or the blues based rock it's mostly just kind of like sexy howls and moans and talking about you know getting cheated on or cheating on somebody else and you know kind of the basic stuff and that's that's fine he he has an incredible voice so he can sell that stuff um and and in case you in case you somehow don't know let's up on four guys the entire time um robert plant on vocals jimmy page on guitar john paul jones on bass john bonham on, on drums each one is kind of a master of what they do, and together they had a an alchemy which I just I don't know if anyone's ever touched that. And there's been plenty of people trying to get where where, where they're at. Um, it just there's no way they're gonna touch it. And this continues. So the first thing they have is the jaw dropping debut. Guess what? The second thing is the back to back blast off Led Zeppelin two. Same year, 1969. These guys come back. And so I love when there's there's like a two shot, you know, like just we're talking about a run. So there's, these are all going to be consecutive um, hits or at least consecutive um, classics. But, you know, there's going to be peaks and valleys. So, you know, a, a run to me doesn't have to keep on going up and up. It's kind of impossible. There's going to be, you know, usually a gr- one great work and then you kind of go up and down from there. I do love, though, when there's a work that, like they they follow a, a work with something which is you know people can argue this e- even better or just as good. Led Zeppelin two is that whole lot of love became their their first kind of um, staple song. Like this this is what people associate with them. Um, whole lot of love opens the record, and this record is you know it's it's similar and but it's also a little harder. You can tell the band is um. There's still some, some psychedelic stuff from like Daisy Confused from the first record on this one, like in Whole Lot of Love, but they kind of um, they packture they 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 um, package it a little more uh, savvy. It's 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 you know this record kind of shows them, I think, uh, f- like really figuring out what they 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 can do that no one else can do. The, the, you have you have. Um, also, I think production-wise, Jimmy Page, the guitarist uh, and, and co-songwriter of most a lot of their music, he also produces every record. And so, Led Zeppelin too, I could really hear him um, getting. He's a session player, so he's already comfortable in the studio, but he's really getting comfortable with the producing side of things. And there's some awesome stuff they do here. Um, 
What Isn't What Should Never Be the song to. There's great panning at the end, and there's this just, it's really lush sounding, but it still has that that crisp rock um, sound that you want when it needs to. It still has that pop. Great stuff. Um, I will say that, you know, for me, I still think I like Led Zeppelin 1 a little bit better. And it's funny, I get, you know, I, I've listened to Led Zeppelin so much that I, I get a little um, nitpicky. And for instance, um, I love the song Thank You. But I think it sounds better live. They kind of uh, the guitar is a little more prominent, and, and the the organ from John Paul Jones. I, I like it to a point, but I just wish that Jimmy Page would just crank the guitar like he does when they do it live. So it's like really small shit. I will complain about. That's one of them. The Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin Two continues the trend. It's called Led Zeppelin Two. They they're not trying to say that they're you know this this is a continuation of what they did before. So we have jaw-dropping debut. We have um, the 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 fiery follow-up. Let's call it that, right? The third album is another thing I think we're going to find again and again of a lot of different artists. The third album is the experimental curveball. So this is when they they really branch out and try something different. And sometimes this kills runs. And you know, it, I think it's always admirable when an artist goes for it and tries to do something you know they haven't done before. It really stretches themselves, but you know sometimes that shit doesn't work out. Led Zeppelin three does work out. Led Zeppelin three is a a more acoustic, a more relaxed, um, kind of contemplative album, at least from the Ze- the Zeppelin standards. Of course, that being said, it opens with Immig- Immigrant Song, which is one of the most like raucous, or raucous um, punk metal out songs they've ever done. I um, mean, his Robert Plant's high vocal on that is. I don't know if he's ever really even tried to to outdo that's that that's inspired so much um, bad and good metal just that that kind of vocal line and that kind of vocal attack. He um the thing is like that opens the album right, but then it's quickly kind of dispelled, and we have friends, which is this acoustic number, and there's a slight kind of like I said before some sort of Middle Eastern, maybe Indian, I I, I feel bad, I, I don't know what type of music, but it, it sounds like it's outside of the American blues rock, or even their Zeppelin's own English folk kind of influence, this is something a little different, and it's a great song, the, the percussion's different, um, and this the album continues like that, through, there's um, there's great blues numbers, Since I've Been Loving You, some of Robert Plant's best vocals, and, and best phrasing and, and melody there, and then there's songs like um, "That's the Way," and this is where I think Robert Plant's really starting to um, starting to become who he is lyrically. This "That's the Way" is this folky ballad, and the lyrics are very um, they're and the vocal and the and the lyrics together are both very tender and poignant. And he's talking about friendship, loss, and growing up. And you see that Robert Plant, despite being like you know this like sex god you know, high vocal banshee kind of dude. He could do that, and he does it well. He's also, he's, he's a really, he, he's a sensitive guy, deep down. And he also shows he's a fucking nerd, because Immigrant Song and, and other songs, that you, you, they're about, like, Viking mythology, and then, of course, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, which, you know, the second album, there's a little bit of Hobbit lyrics here and there. He, he name-checks Gollum. You know, but of course, those books are way more popular. Not way more popular. They're very popular, you know, in the 70s and 60s still. So um, it, I think it's nerdy, but it's not as nerdy as like Dungeons and Dragons. It's like it's like what Star Wars is, where it's like 
at least what Star Wars was in the 90s, where, you know, it was popular, but, you know, you're still kind of a nerd for talking about it. Doesn't matter. What does matter is Led Zeppelin 3, the band sets up that they can they can kind of do what they want to do, and it's going to work out. And I think Zeppelin 3, um, you know, people, it was it was popular. Um, I, you know, they, they were never critically um, appreciated until much later. Um, I think fans liked it. I think fans probably liked it a little less than one and two because it wasn't really as hard rocking as they would they would expect it and would have liked. But it was still appreciated. And I think what happens of a lot of artists in their in their runs is that if you do a, a curveball, you do a you know a weird kind of um, experiment, your follow up is very important because if you do a, a follow up that everyone loves, then that experiment that you did before that preceding that is thought of as a, as a good idea and that it's um it's sort of couched with like um it's cool they, they they either went back to doing um what they used to do and it's it's great or they've incorporated what they learned in that experimental album or experiment experimental work they incorporated that into the next work and so it's made uh the breadth of what they do even richer they can do even more thankfully because they they grew on that um you know that kind of um kind of sideways work and you know, and even bands that have that break up their runs, like they make an experimental um, work that you know, it kind of sucks or it just isn't as good. They might recoup, and you know, the run is broken, but they might come back with a great work that they did learn from. They just kind of they had to um, kind of workshop what they were trying that with that initial go, and then they made something good. Zeppelin, I think it works. I think Zeppelin three is great. Um, I think there are a couple songs which um, it's funny. Look, some of the more rock songs on it, besides Immigrant Song, are just so-so. Like, um, uh, was it um, not for the turn for for the turn? No, it's for the turnstiles. I think it's a Neil Gaiman song. Or Neil Gaiman, a Neil Young song. But um, there's there's a there's a couple songs which are just okay, and, and you know, it it it, it, it might just uh, have a one song too many or something because Zeppelin Zeppelin albums are usually pretty short, at least up until now. They're eight nine songs and that's good i think it's like 10 songs on zeppelin 3 it doesn't matter the, the, again the, what's really fun of a lot of these bands I, I, um from this period is that they're just pumping these out right so this zeppelin 1 and 2 are 69 this is 1970 and then the next year in 1971 one of my favorite years in rock history there's just so many good albums 1971 zeppelin drops the masterpiece and so that's another um kind of trope we're going to talk about of course in these runs a lot of times there's one work which you can argue but most people kind of agree this is the one and that's led zeppelin's untitled fourth album commonly called commonly called led zeppelin 4 or zoso um and you know it's one of the most popular albums of all time by anybody it's one of the best-selling albums by anybody and i still think it's fucking great and I still think that even though it's kind of a boring answer, it is their masterpiece. It's it's somehow, despite being one of the most analyzed albums ever, it's still kind of weird and mysterious. I mean, I think it was a really cool move to not only change their own trend of naming their albums, you know, Led Zeppelin 2, Led Zeppelin 3, instead of just calling it, you know, it has a, t- a title now that broke up the, you know, our, our thing. They don't even have a title. The, the band's name isn't even on the front. It's, it's just like this is... These are eight songs. There's no way to even put a label on this. And that's what they do. They took everything they learned from the first three albums. And they they 
put in, they brought that in and they also brought in even more stuff and it became this like frothy broth of, of magic. Like you open with black dog. Hey, hey mama said the way you move just to isolate vocal. And then the band kicks in. It's, it's such a, it's, it's obviously a really hooky rock anthem, but it's such a weird song. So many stops and starts and, and calls and responses. It's ballsy to open an album like that. The time is, the time signature seems kind of crazy. Like the drumming, I'm always impressed with the drummer, John Bonham, like just keeping that together. Cause it seems like a really tricky song. Maybe it's not, I'm not a drummer, but then you have rock and roll song two. <laughs> rock and roll is, I said it before, um, rock and roll should be the national anthem of the whole planet. R- rock and roll, so, so just like joyful. And it just, it just sounds, I, I can't believe rock and roll is on the fourth album. I feel like, like rock and roll should be like the first song this band wrote. Cause it sounds like this is what they're made to do. But then this, you know, they one to two, just great songs, great rock songs, kind of the Zeppelin songs that you sort of would expect. Not in a story would expect, but basically you you were hoping for, and then th- song three is Battle of Evermore. You have mandolin. It's it's crazy uh, Lord of the Rings kind of type of lyrics. You have a, a female vocalist coming and doing it the first time. Uh, Rob Plant did a duet with anybody, and actually the only duet on um, any of the records. He's had some backing vocals from the other guys a little bit, but nothing like this. And it slays. It's so good. And if you um. If, if you uh, love that song, you might want to check out the Love Mongers cover of it. That's the, the ladies from Heart. Um, it's on the um, singles soundtrack from the Cameron Crowe movie. It's a really good cover. It's a live cover. And it sounds just sounds perfect. Um, they can still hit the notes that Robert Plant can't hit anymore because he got too old, you know. But um, Battle Evermore, so cool. And that's that's track three, right? And then we get to the song, which would, would kind of um, kick off the throne a whole lot of love as the the band's uh, signature song. We get Stairway to Heaven. Of course, Stairway to Heaven has been played to death. Um, Wayne's World had a joke about it in the early 90s. Uh, but it, you know, it, it's, if you if you find yourself in the right mood and you, you're ready to, to, to receive it, it's still great. It's still perfect. It's this multi-part, epic song that something they've never done before i think jimmy page mentioned um when they did it he's like this this must be what pete townsend felt when he wrote tommy meaning that he knew he knew he had a fucking he had a he had something just that no one else has ever done before and of course you know on this album, like all their albums, there's there's some plagiarism claims that seem pretty pretty likely, and and maybe some of the intro on the guitar he he lifted from a, a band that they're playing uh, shows with, but you know he he, he took it somewhere di- very different I think. Um, great lyrics. This is one of Robert Plant's um, best lyrics, and yeah, you know, they're very mysterious and they're, you know they infer a lot and don't really say a lot. But I love that and. Uh, it just builds and builds and builds, and of course the guitar solo itself is just, just you know, one of those one of those ones you can hum. It's just beautiful, and I actually love in, in the guitar solo. There's, I think it's just a vocal doing a like a weird background vocal that kind of um, goes, ah, and they never do it live. I always every time I see a live version, you know, they'll extend it like an extra eight minutes of just noodling bullshit, but Robert Plant never drops that. So I don't know 
maybe it's not a vocal, it just sounds like it's some weird guitar thing doing a harmony, but I love that. Um, it's funny, they're, they're a super British band. Um, that song kind of gives me this kind of California vibes. California to me is more than just a place. It's, it's like this, um, it's like this weird mood. And there's a couple songs, there's a song called Going to California later in this album, which definitely has a California vibe somehow. But, uh, Stairway to Heaven also has that. And then, you know, that's followed up by, um, uh, Misty Mountain Hop, which again we go back to rock action, but it's 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 something they haven't done before. It's amazing. It's it's so propulsive. It's it's just it's so it's so good. Those drums are so big, and, they get, and the the drums get bigger in this album. And then we have Four Sticks, which is another crazy song. Like uh, the percussion is it's just nuts, and the riff it it sounds like something they've never done before. But it does sound like they've been working towards it since the first album. Something like this. Then going to California is a very tender, uh, very beautifully sung and written uh, kind of acoustic number. And I've heard it's actually about Joni Mitchell. This Robert Plant was like into Joni Mitchell, but I, I don't know if that's really true. Um, it's just all I know is that it's it's a nice kind of lullaby that is like the penultimate song, you know. So you have that, and of course, it's like it's the classic, you know, quiet loud thing. As that song ends you hear the biggest drums in the world, at least for then. You know, these drums have been sampled a million times by, by Beastie Boys and other um, um, hip-hop acts, and it's just one of those beats that you can't stop. The song is called When the Levee Breaks, and it's the end of the world. It's also an orgy, and it's also a, a prayer to God. It's it's so good. It's, it's maybe my favorite song on the whole album. I don't know. It's got harmonica that makes John Popper uh, jealous it's it's so good and of course it's actually it's a cover they've, they've definitely changed it and augmented it a lot uh, I think it's Memphis Mini it's a it's a cover I think uh, I believe she wrote it she didn't just perform it but she's you know so it's a song from a from a female songwriter and they've done it before they uh, Les Up and One Baby I'm Gonna Leave You is um you know written by uh uh, now I'm gonna be a sexist asshole. Um, Bob Dylan's old uh, girlfriend. Oh gosh, she's she's. I feel really bad. She's a singer songwriter, own right. We're gonna look it up. We're gonna look it up live. Oh my god, that's really bad. She's. <laughs> uh, that's really bad. Oh my god, Joan Baez. Oh my god, I, I'm sorry. Let down. I let down the the whole crew. I'm sorry, guys. Joan Baez. Jump by as you rule. I love. I, I like your songs. I I I don't have any albums. Not gonna lie. I'm not the biggest fan. But when I've seen stuff you've done, it's awesome. You incredible voice, good lyrics. Anyways, um, when the levee breaks ends the album. In 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 a triumph, right? And and Robert Plant's vocals, just he's just sounds like animal at the end of this and. There's so much going on. When he said, going down, going down now, going down, down, down. Great phrasing. The whole band's behind him. It's this wash of sound. Um, I mean, you can't you can't top that. And they, in my opinion, they kind of don't. Don't worry. I don't think the run ends here. We have uh, the jaw-dropping debut. We have the fiery follow-up. We have the experimental curveball that works. We have the masterpiece. We have four, four things which would be which would be an incredible run all on its own, an incredible unbroken run. This those four albums. What they have next 
are some victory laps. And victory laps are usually after you do a masterpiece, you know, you, um, I guess you're, you're feeling yourself you get, and you, you go for, um, you either go for an even bigger experiment, um, you know, that's sort of like a, like a Radiohead thing with, um, okay, computer and the kid A, or you have, um, a work which it, you could kind of, I think you, these works of victory lap, you feel, um, an artist very confident and, um, they're they're triumphant. They they're basically it's there's a lot of joy in the next work because they just feel like they they've done it before. Let's, let's have some fun, and that's how I feel um, about Houses of the, of the Holy. Houses of the Holy is their fifth album. Zeppelin. Um, this is the most. Uh, this is the California record in a lot of ways to me. This is um, you know, this is the the more summery. Um, bright and it's not like it's like super. Um, it's not like they turn into the Beach Boys or anything by any means. It's just. Um, the, the, it sounds like the band is is just fucking very excited to be where they're at and as as they should be. I will say though, and this happens a lot of victory laps. This is a close call. This one, this there's this one almost breaks up the run. And I love this album, but there's some duds. And maybe for the maybe for the first time, some songs I'm like straight up. I just don't. I don't think it works. And that's. <laughs> the opening song uh the song remains the same the song is beloved you know it's the name of their fucking tour movie or whatever it just sounds a little a little uh uninspired to me a little generic -y. um there's some cool lyrics i like that him talking about world traveling and, and and you know kind of kind of talking about being you know what are you a young guy who's, who's seen a lot of the world already and and i like the message of the song and the, some some of the there's some parts which are which are cool. I think it's a pretty good solo, but the riff itself and you know Jimmy Page is very reliable. He's one of the greatest riff uh, makers of all time. That's what that's one. I'm a big riff guy. I, I love you know guitar. I love guitar solos and stuff, but I worship riffs. Riffs are way more important. You can have a great song with a great riff, and it's an okay solo. That's fine. If your song has a shitty riff and the solo's great, that doesn't mean anything to me. That's worthless. So, uh, Song Raise the Same kind of opens the album, for me, kind of uh, on a bad foot. Luckily, they recoup the Rain Song, the song two. I love the Rain Song. The Rain Song, it's, it's a ballsy number two. Like, um, they've done, like, kind of slower ballady numbers for number twos before. Like, you know, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You from Led's Up in One. This one takes its fucking time. And there's, like, you know, Mellotron doing some symphony-type stuff. But there's great lyrics. And then when it kicks in, it kicks in. And Rock plans one of his best performances ever. Um, the whole band, it just sounds, this is them being really um, unabashedly beautiful. And I think uh, the song was partly inspired by George Harrison, who told them in passing, like, you guys are really good, but you should do more ballads. Because, you know, George Harrison, he's a Beatles guy, and he, loves, he has no problem doing ballads. And they took it, uh, they took him at his word, and they, they, they did something like that. And it was, it's gorgeous. Um, then you have Over the Hills and Far Away, another um, kind of, at least the title, a little bit of a Lord of the Rings kind of uh, homage, but this is this is uh, one of Robert Plant's um, one of my favorite lyrics he's ever done. This is him, uh, I think, uh, really putting his heart in his sleeve in a lot of ways. And this 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 is a song which I've um, I thought about a lot. She's a young guy. Um, it, it kind of um, it, it kind of agreed with my own point of view. I think in a lot of ways. 
incredible guitar too. The intro, it's there's so much going on there. Jimmy Page, is, he, he's such a good player, such a soulful player, and is. Uh, but you know, for me, it's it that intro guitar. It's, it's so pretty, and it kind of builds and builds, and you're waiting, you're waiting, and then the band kicks in, and you know, he, Robert Plant is talking about the open road and, and not the literal road but more of the life the possibilities of life and how you gotta try things you gotta go for it he says something like uh, uh, many <laughs> many times I've lied and many times I've listened many times I've wondered how long this you know and then the, the one I like is like many is a word that only leaves you guessing guessing about a thing that you really ought to know it's basically you know saying you're going to regret the things you never did much more than the things you tried. And, and he has the line too. He goes, Mellow is the man who knows what he's been missing. Many, many man can't see the open road. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from it. That means a lot to me. I, 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 I have no problem saying that. And I think it's really, uh, I think he's a much more insightful writer than people give him credit for. I think a lot of times, um, great rock singers who have really good voices, um, a lot of times people, um, they want to give him the credit of also being a good writer. I think Chris Cornell is one of those guys too. Chris Cornell's an amazing lyricist. Um, and of course he's, you know, got a fucking knockout voice. So I think it's really easy to dismiss people like him or Robert Plant. Um, Robert Plant has some shit to say. So the album continues with, I think... Another dud, and this is maybe the biggest dud, the crunch. Um, it, the, you know, it, it starts out really good. I love the riff, the and the funky beat, and you know, I'm kind of feeling the lyrics is kind of like a James Brown kind of thing. And it's going, but there's no, there's no hook, there's no chorus, and there's not even a riff that's big enough to be the um, the hook itself. And it just kind of it kind of meanders, and it basically seems like a jam, a throwaway jam that she shouldn't have made the record. And I, I do like some of the stuff at the end, Robert Plant talking, you know, about you know where, where's the bridge, where's that confounded bridge. That's funny, but that's not enough to make the song worthy. It does lead into my favorite song on the album. My favorite song on the album is "Dancing Days." "Dancing Days." When I first heard that riff, I I, I just I didn't even understand how a band from this time period sounded like that. It just sounded so, um, it sounded so cool. And so it, I don't know if it sounded contemporary. It just sounded like nothing else from that period. It's amazing riff. Um, some of my favorite Robert Plant lyrics, great melody. And then this song, you know, Robert Plant, he, he of course can sing in the higher, uh, register. He's also really comfortable with just being a crooner, just kind of chilling. And that's most of the song. And I think actually the first time I heard this song, I heard the acoustic cover by Stone Temple Pilots. And you know, Scott Wilde's much more of a Jim Morrison croony type of guy. And that song was acoustic. And the main riff, they have an electric guitar that comes in on that for for the main riff of the song. But it's mostly acoustic. It's, it's more chill and it's a great cover. But when I finally heard the Zeppelin version, I was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to sound. The whole band is electric. The whole band is big. Um, this is to me the victory lap done right. This is them just, it, 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 they've never sounded quite like this. It's, it's really fun. It's sexy. It's, uh, it's, it's got that kind of, uh, he's talking about growing up. He does that a lot. He talks about adolescence. It feels like he's talking about his car not working, but he also has really weird kind of psychedelic lyrics about, um, um, 
I saw a lion, in, a lion standing alone with a tadpole in a jar. <laughs> what? What's great? And you know, it's it, I love it. I love dancing this. I can never get tired of hearing that song. And it's followed by a great song called Dire Maker or Jamaker, which um, I actually called into a radio station as a kid and asked him how to pronounce it because it's like D apostrophe Y E R. And the guy was like, it's, yeah, okay, kid. He's like, you know, you tell him a 15-year-old kid who had nothing else to do. He's like, I, I think it's called, it's like Jamaica, like it's, because it sounds kind of reggae. I think it's a joke. Because I thought it was like a dire maker. Like it makes you, you know, this is some like weird Celtic spelling of like, you know, make, making you dour or sad. It's not that at all. This is them kind of doing a little reggae thing, but still varies up on big drums of John Bonham. Really catchy. Great stuff. And then we, then we follow that with a total abrupt change with No Quarter, which is them, you know, despite most of the album being really summery and, and really California to me, they go back to the fucking dungeon for No Quarter. This is them in their Lord of the Rings mode. There's some cool John Paul Jones uh, um, keyboard and organ stuff. Great guitar riffs by Jimmy Page. Cool vocal effect they do on Robert Plant's voice. I, I don't know what it's called, but um, I think... Uh, I think Eddie Vedder might have done the same thing on the Oceans on Pearl Gems 10. And I think Maynard James Keenan, when they did the Tool, Tool did a cover, No Quarter, I think they just did the same vocal effect. It's kind of a big part of the song. Um, really cool song. Really cool stuff. It's, it, it might be meander just a little bit here and there for me, this recording, but it's still really good. And then we, we end up eight songs again. The end of the Ocean, which is... Ocean fucking rules. Ocean, the Ocean so rocking. This is like Black Dog's... Um, Black Dog's cousin from Florida, who's a little sleazier, um, but a lot more fun in a lot of ways. The Ocean, yeah, great riff, um, really fun lyrics. Uh, and it's funny, despite this song being, you know, Robert Plant singing it in a really sexy way, he also gives a shout out to his three year old daughter. Uh, um, he's like, singing for, I'm singing to the girl who won my heart. She's, um, she's, only, she's only three years old, and that's a real fine way to start. Like, he's, he's, you know, I mean, it's really sweet. It's really tender. And that's um, unexpected, right? The, band, he's, the band's going nuts on this thing. Um, there's some call and response vocals. Uh, the end, it kicks into this old-time rock and roll end, which is, to me, is the epitome of the victory lap. This is them just going, like, hell yeah, man. We're, we're riding this fucking wave right into the wall, and it's going to be great. Like... The last line of the album, it's just Robert Plant. He in the middle of the song, the, the end of the song, it's basically him just commenting. He goes, "It's it, it's almost not even sung; it's just spoken." He goes, "It's so good, it's so good." And that's that's just, I think he's just, he's just commenting on on the music they're making. And you know, you could look at that in a really arrogant way, but it just sounds earnest. Like he's he's basically amazed at them. He's amazed at himself, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, John Bonham, that they. They're making this sound, and I'm. I think we're all right there with them. It's so good. So, that's five albums. You, how do you follow a victory lap? Well, I think you try to do that with an ultimate statement. An ultimate statement album, in a way, it's almost. Oh, it's almost by its um, definition shooting itself in the foot. It's you tro- like making an effort to make a masterpiece, like really trying. Don't be wrong. I think most like Zoso, Let's Up and Four was probably them trying to do you know 
uh, ultimate statement, but it really worked. So I, I think of, I define it more as as a, a masterpiece. Um, physical, physical Graffiti is a double album, the only double album they tried. Um, and of course, it's Zeppelin, so it's like one one side is six songs, the other side is like eight. So it's not even that big, although it's pretty long. There's some long ass jams, but this is them. You know, they've done. It's like, what else can we do? They've done five great albums. Um, I guess we got to do like, can we can we make our our own definitive statement about who we are? Can we do can we do something so big that you have to um, look at it? You have to you have to go like, we want we want to wow you. And I think that kind of undercuts it a little bit because they're definitely, and it's also a double album. So double albums, double albums always have some stuff that shouldn't be left off. It should, like this, this, if this was a single album, they might've done it. They might've actually done something, which is, if, I don't know if it would, I don't know if it would beat Zoso, but it would be, um, in the conversation. And I know some people like, I think Dave Grohl says physical graffiti, physical graffiti isn't his favorite Led Zeppelin record and that's great there's there's some shit there they've done which is some of the best stuff they've ever done Cashmere Cashmere is uh, what I love about Cashmere is like a lot of the other songs in the Zeppelin catalog which are awesome um, there are definitely parts lifted outright stolen from other artists it's definitely built upon other stuff Cashmere feels like only Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and, and John Paul Jones and John Bonham could think of that and it's also it is it's really a big group effort like everyone has a part that they contribute that makes that song what it is and that's that's all music obviously but this is this is clearly seen there's no way missing this this, this these four dudes make this work but that being said physical graffiti two albums there's some there's some duds and mostly on on the second disc because the first one is just six songs you custard pie uh, is, Custard Pie is good. Custard Pie isn't anything too special, honestly. It's kind of Led Zeppelin doing Led Zeppelin a little rote, but um, it's a good it's a good riff. It's a good intro. Um, I like the second song way better. Um, it's the second song. Uh, I like it so much. I forgot the name of it. Uh, the Rover. It's called the Rover. Really cool riff. It takes its time. It kind of slowly gets into it, but it's still rocking. It's got a real good groove to it. Good vocal. That's a great song. Uh, the third song, In My Time of Dying, it took me a long time to come around to this song. In My Time of Dying is like, I think like 10 minutes long. It's a big blues jam. It kind of ends with this sort of gospel um, inspired kind of thing where Robert Plant's like, oh my Jesus, oh my Jesus. Which I was like, dude, I thought you guys were down with like Satan and, and, and you know, groupies. And it's like, this isn't what I want to hear. But... As years go by, I listened to it more and more, and I really grew to love "In My Time of Dying." Um, it was it, it it goes all over the place. The bands uh, really playing well off each other. Um, the part at the end, the Jesus stuff, is actually really fun. And the song, you know, it's a ten minute long, crazy blues jam. And at the very end of the song, I don't know who it is. It's it's someone someone coughs and it's on the mic. And Robert Plant, uh, he he finishes his vocal like. He's supposed to say, make it my dying, dying day. It's a big moment. He goes, make it my dying, dying, <coughs> cough. And then someone goes, ding, 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 on guitar. And it's his joke. And it's like them taking the piss out of themselves. It's, it's great. It it just, it's really charming. Song four, great song, Houses of the Holy. So Houses of the Holy, the song, is not on the album Houses of the Holy. It's on the next album. And it's awesome. It's sort of like a Dancing Days um, like Brother to Dancing Days, kind of similar feel. Good song, great riff, cool lyrics. 
um, really catchy. And then we have the two just fucking knockout, um, knockout combo of trampled underfoot, like this disco kaiju monster just fucking destroying shit but shaking its ass. So good. Every every lyric is some really bad pun about um, cars and sex, but it works because Robert Plant's making this re- really catchy and really fun and sexy. And he's just screaming, talking about love. That riff is so good. It's like, like I said, it's like a mutant disco thing on on, on steroids. It, it fucking rules. And if the next song wasn't so good, I think that would be my favorite song on the album. But the next song is. The next song is Cashmere. It's got an incredible riff and like uh, really, really massive, epic sounding. Uh, uh, I think it's just keyboard, but it sounds like a symphony. I think there actually are, I take it back, I think there are strings on this too. Accompanying the riff, the beat John Bonham puts behind it is is simple, but it's. Um, I think if you heard that music without the beat, you might not think of that beat, but it, it, it makes it all work. And then they had the lyrics in the vocal, which are mythic. Robert Plant takes to like the, the highest level he's ever taken it. He just he, he <laughs> it sounds it sounds so uh, spiritual and and uh, multidimensional and just sounds crazy. But it also sounds like he's really horny, which is his secret. He sounds like the Zen master of a hard on, and it it's it's a, it's it's something to listen to. It's so good. So so far this album sounds great, right? Well, this two. That's where we have some troubles, and this is why this one, this album as a general, was almost almost broke up the run to me. I I really debated is this, is this part of the run or is this, or is this where the you know things take a turn? I'm gonna give it to them, and they basically get by I think because it is a double album, and double albums, I'm a little softer on because by definition they're huge, and so there's more room to fuck up. Basically, you can make more mistakes, and so we're gonna try to side the artist. So in the light. Is this, the next song opens uh, this too, and it's terrible. I don't get it. The, the verse got some cool kind of riff that's a little like, spooky sounding, but everything else it just goes on forever, and it's not memorable or just it's not captivating. I don't like it. And the album has a couple of songs like this. Like there's um, you know, Brown Wire, which is um, a, a acoustic instrumental ballad, which 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 is fine, but they've done it a bit better before. Um, and down by the seaside, it's got some cool parts, but it's it's they they a lot of this album actually is a is a bunch of songs they recorded years before for other albums, which they left off, and you can kind of tell like oh this is this is didn't really go anywhere, but there are some masterpieces on, on the second um, side of the album. Um, uh, Ten years gone, so good, like just some of the so delicate and and. Uh, Brokenhearted and it's, it's really pretty, really gr- great. Love that song. Um, the the um the 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 last trio of songs I really enjoy. So you have like a uh, what the hell is it called? They're, they're like the so like <laughs> I don't know any of the songs. There's two like kind of um old fashioned rock not rockabilly. They're 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 more like um bluesy numbers that they're, they're both back to back they're really w- well done I really like the catchy one is like hey 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 darling I just wanna roll right it's like a, almost like a little Richard thing um good stuff and then it ends with sick again sick again great rock song 
awesome riff, crazy vocal. Um, I will say lyrically, it seems to be about them having sex with underage girls, uh, groupies and stuff. And knowing Robert, or not Robert Plant, Jimmy Page especially, um, that's pretty gross and pretty fucked up. And, um, you know, usually you separate, separate the art from the artist if you want to. But it's right here. It seems to be that's exactly what they're talking about. So that definitely sours things. Um, sonically, it sounds great. It, it, it just just hearing the the sound of the vocal and the guitar and stuff. It, it's a great. It, it builds and builds and builds and good riff. But um, I think that um, that song closes out the album on a high note. Uh, if not, you know, a high note, esoteric, uh, fucked up note. But that also closes out the run. So I, they squeak by physical graffiti, in my opinion. There's amazing stuff, but there's um, <laughs> just just enough duds that they could almost we could almost say this is the end of the great period. But they get what's we're gonna let them squeak by, right? So Led Zeppelin, that's six albums, and physical graffiti was that 1975, 69 to 75, six six fucking six fucking hits, right? Six fucking amazing albums that don't nothing ever feels like um as a total work them just trying to just them just trying to repeat themselves they're always pushing they're always trying new things always exploring always growing but the next one you know there's a lot of a lot of um turmoil within the band there's a lot of um you know tragedy uh lost family members there's a lot of stuff that and and and, uh Injury, there's a lot of stuff that goes down. Of course, drug use too. It's a it's a rock band in the seventies. But the next album, I think they in general they also um, you know, everybody needs a fucking break. But they put out Presence. That's nineteen seventy six. That's one year later. Presence is definitely my least favorite album they've ever done. And part of the reason why I, I um don't really get into Presence too much is that unlike the rest of their works, which are really diverse and they have a myriad of styles and ideas and sounds, this one is kind of, it's funny, this is them mostly kind of middle-of-the-road hard rock throughout, and the whole work suffers for that. Um, that being said, there's some great shit on there. The first song, Keeley's Last Stand, was one of my, it's one of those like hidden gems that when you listen to it, more and more, you're like, this song is so good. It is. It's uh, crazy riff, uh, great vocal, great lyric, um, and it just builds and builds and builds and, and gets weirder, and it's very um, eerie at the end. It's, it's Achilles' last stand is so good. I, just, I wish the rest of the record was half as good, and it's not. But then they follow it with um, In Through the Outdoor, and so if the last record presence was definitely the dud, which killed the run, you know, that's that's the cause of death right there, right? Into the Outdoor, I do not think is, um, I, do, I do not think it's um, a return to the standards of the initial run. I don't, but I do think it's much better than the, the preceding record presence. And so it is a return to form in that sense, but it still doesn't touch the highs of the first six albums. Into the Outdoor has um, a lot of really good stuff. Um, uh, they, it's, it's again sounding like they're trying a lot of new things. There's, um, couple weird songs which kind of are really fun like hot dog is fun it's like a rockabilly kind of weird thing and i i love um uh fool in the rain you know that song is really cool and that's something they've never done before um it's a really good record and it is really their last record i think it ends it, it ends well they end up a nice blues kind of um 
number it's sort of reminiscent of since i've been loving you but it's different and um after that john paul jones i'm sorry john bonham the drummer uh dies and that is really the end of the band they have a record come out later on called coda which is a collection of of b-sides basically b-sides and unreleased stuff and that's cool and stuff but to me it's um it's 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 not a true um artistic um statement by them it's kind of cobbled together after the fact and so it's also not as good as anything else on the on the initial run so you know it's not part of it and the thing about growing up with Led Zeppelin um you know John Paul John Bonham's death definitely um it ends it right and there's a definitive end there's no um you know there are reunion shows every few decades and that's cool and stuff but um the band never tried to do it tried to get together and, and make another album really and um i think that's for the best um there's been some cool stuff like i i liked um uh, no quarter um the led zeppelin uh, sort of unplugged mtv show which was just robert plant and uh, jimmy page but there was some cool stuff on that as a kid in the 90s, it was like some of the, some of the songs I um, heard in Led Zeppelin 3, I think I first heard them on that, like That's the Way and some other stuff like that. And the version of No Quarter on that is pretty cool, too. It's very different. Um, and Nobody's Fault by Mine on that is really cool, too. But I think the band did the right thing by never trying to actually be a band again because, um, like, the Who, the Who, I wish the Who would have done the same, like, in a lot of ways. I think after Keith Moon died, it's never going to... Never gonna sound like that. And also, I don't know if 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 John Bonham lives. If the band, I think they would have made some good stuff. But um, I kind of think they that that that's a run. That's a, an incredible run, right? Even even though, um, you know, the peak is is the sixth album. There's two more albums, and there there's still some really good stuff in those albums. There's nothing there's nothing wrong about you know, uh, shaking hands and walking away from that. I mean, it's incredible. So that, that's, to me, um, that's the Led Zeppelin run. We have six albums, and we have, again, you're going to find this in a lot of these other um, runs we go, go through. There are certain types we're going to find again and again. You're going to have that jaw-dropping debut. You're going to have that fiery follow-up. You're going to have the experimental curveball. You're going to have the masterpiece. You're going to have the victory run. And you're going to have the, um, the manufactured ultimate statement. And and there's gonna be some some that work and some that some that don't. And we're gonna talk about on this show. We're gonna talk about on the runs, the unbroken runs like Led Zeppelin's uh, first six albums. And we're also gonna talk about some broken runs where um, there's a dud in the middle, but we you know the rest they follow up, they kind of recoup. And so this is a broken run, but it's still worth uh, discussing. So anyways, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with me. Um, it's gonna be a lot of fun doing this podcast. Uh, uh. Also, you know, I, I got some uh, new comics, new books out. So if you uh, want to check them out on Etsy, I, I got a trilogy of novels called the Bleeding Tree Trilogy, which is coming out. Um, and I also have uh, pl- plenty of comic books. I have uh, the Friday the Thirteenth Bootleg. I have Attaboy, Serious Creatures, uh, Lumen. I got a bunch of stuff. So you can you can see if my run has any, is anything to even like uh, sniff at or not. So thanks again. Uh, take care. Bye bye.